630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He blitzes right past Marshawn to the net. Dishes. What timer score? Leon Dreisaitl. What a play by McDavid. Dreisaitl's got it back. 10 seconds to play. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Connor Clifton sends it in. Blue Jackets get to it first. They can't clear it out. It's Clifton himself that uh, catches it at the right point. But as he shoots it toward the net, it got deflected. And now it's uh, out to Riley Nash, finds Boone Jenner, cuts to the slot, he shoots, and he scores! It's one of those things that makes you go Boone! And the Blue Jackets lead, one to nothing! Oh, and there's the cannon, everybody's favorite, isn't it? Blue Jackets taking on the Boston Bruins tonight, and Columbus leading at one nothing with the second period about to begin. Later on tonight, 8 o'clock start, it is the Sharks and the Avalanche. The other two series will resume tomorrow with Carolina up 2 nothing on the Islanders and St. Louis leading Dallas 2-1. The Blues continue... To win, they continue to win in dramatic fashion. Another one last night with a late goal by former Oiler Patrick Maroon and Bernie Federko. St. Louis Blues, great during his playing career, now an analyst for the team. He's going to join us a little bit later on to break down what's been going on with the Blues. He'll touch on Maroon's season. And, you know, Maroon, quite frankly, he was having an awful season for about half the year, like the St. Louis team itself, as they were last in the NHL into early January and then now have completely taken off and looking very, very good. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Shed. Uh, a little disappointed today. I was not named to the Alberta cabinet. I mean, I, I could have been the minister of something. I don't think you have to be an elected official to be in the cabinet. And if you do, I, I think they could have made an exception. But apparently a little bit of a rift between Jason Kenny and I. I guess we'll have to work on that. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. By the way, you can text 630-630 if you would like to call. The number is 780-496-0063. Uh, in a few minutes, in about uh, seven or eight minutes, we will get to Ryan Holt, who is the play-by-play voice for the Bakersfield Condors. That's the Oilers farm team who uh, have been having a great playoff a great season they're off to the second round they will play san diego coached by dallas aiken starting on friday night and this is after the condors beat the eagles the colorado eagles in a bird battle three games to one in the opening round a lot of good stories for the condors this season i think you start with jay woodcroft the head coach of the team who uh, was an assistant under todd mcclellan Last summer, the Oilers changed the staff, uh, gave Todd some new assistance, and then, of course, Todd was later let go himself. But Jay Woodcroft went down there to be a head coach. He's done very well. Uh, Shane Sterrett in goal. I, I don't want to say totally out of nowhere, but you wouldn't have expected him to be the the main guy in the Condors, I think, uh, throughout the entire season and now into the playoffs. He's been incredible. Tyler Benson, a really good year. Evan Bouchard has joined the team in the playoffs, so will he see how he, uh, he's been playing. But Caleb Jones on defense, another guy. I, I think the Oilers' prospect base better than it has been in a long time. I, I would hesitate to call it an excellent or a great prospect base, but I would think it's, it's, it's good. 
I think there are look everybody's not going to pan out I think regardless of the organization everybody is is not going to pan out uh, I think several years ago we would have been talking about an Oilers farm team that not only would you say I doubt any of those guys are going to pan out you you would probably be saying I, I don't even think those guys have a chance to pan out so you know you hope to get a, a few of your picks onto the team as you move along a few of the later round picks and have them con- contributing I, I don't know if there's anybody there that is can jump up and necessarily be a star, except for perhaps Evan Bouchard with the way he can contribute offensively. Down the road, he could be a player who could run the Oilers' power play. Obviously, like a lot of young defensemen, he's going to have to work on his defense, but I don't think he's ever going to be that all-round shutdown and offense type guy, but could be a very good offensive player for the Oilers. And then other than that, maybe you have some players who can fill in on the depth chart as they come along. Maybe some depth defensemen, you know, guys who can be a a 4-5-6 type player, some players who could be support scorers or really strong checkers if you want to look at how possibly Yamamoto is going to develop. Uh, You know, I know some guys are a little older, but like Marodi, but uh, some guys there that at least I think you can project, okay, you know, best case scenario, maybe he does this. If he's not quite that good, probably still in the NHL. And, and again, I mean, we know the Oilers are in, are in cap difficulties here. There's going to be a new general manager probably relatively soon. I don't know if it's going to happen before uh, the end of this week, but maybe next week, maybe the week after at the latest. I, I think they're getting, you've, you've heard the names of the candidates, Hunter McCrimmon. I know Mark Spector wrote out, uh, tweeted out today that it, it doesn't appear that Bill Guerin is, is going to be a candidate. I think that's uh, unfortunate. But, you know, I, I was talking to somebody today, and uh, this individual, you know, made a good point. The, the way hockey teams are structured now, you got the president of hockey operations, you have a GM and you have an assistant GM, and... You know, maybe some of these assistant GMs have been either promised or or strongly advised, hey, you know what, if you can stick around another year or two, I, I as the GM, I'm going to move up and be president of hockey operations because this guy's moving on, and then, and then you get to be the GM. So maybe it's not as automatic that every assistant GM is, is going to want to leave for another market. But it's several storylines for the Edmonton Oilers as they go into the summer and into the offseason. Darnell Nurse will play for Canada at the World Hockey Championships. He joined me on Inside Sports last night. I asked him how closely he's paying attention to the stories and the rumors about the Oilers GM search. Well, you definitely pay attention to uh, you know, the, the new cycle and whatnot. Um, you definitely don't pay attention to the rumors because uh, 99.9% of the time people are wrong. Uh, you know, There's some people that are right most of the time. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, for, for us as players, I mean, there's uh, obviously there'll be a GM and uh, a coach that is uh, you know chosen to to um, you know run our team and, and and be the leaders basically uh, you know from from up top. But you know for for us as as players as a group, uh, I think it's you know especially as, as the summer rolls on, just checking in on each other and you know, preparing for the season uh, because you know, no matter what. Uh, no matter what, uh, you know the X's and O's and and uh, whatnot that come into come into play, it, a lot of it comes down to us on the ice and being able to execute it and um, you know make uh, make a system, make a team work. So uh, that's that's the biggest focus I think for each and each and every one of us on the team is to to be ready uh, for when that puck when that puck drops uh, to, to perform on the ice. 
All right, a little bit there from Darnell Nurse, defenseman for the Oilers. He will be the only member of the team playing for Canada at the World Hockey Championship. Get this question fairly often. This person texting in, has Brian Burke officially retired from working for any team these days? Well, he works for Rogers. He's he's on the broadcasts on television. He is a weekly guest on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, And uh, he has said numerous times he is not interested. He's not interested in being the Oilers GM. He's not interested in being the Oilers president of hockey operations. He's not interested in being the Oilers uh, stick boy. He's not interested in selling hot dogs. He is a broadcaster. So, you know, things can change with individuals, but I'm prepared to take Brian Burke as his face value. I, I would not have any expectation that he would be part of the Oilers organization or, quite frankly, uh, an NHL organization in the in the season to come. Uh, somebody asking, will 6.30 Chet have any playoff hockey on the radio? We will, as we do every spring. We will carry the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. So we will have live playoff hockey for you. Coming up to quarter after six, we will take a trip to California. Check in on those condors when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Left point shot, locked down. I've got goosebumps. This crowd is loud. Puck to an empty net, they score! Esposito! Bring on the second round! The Condors are out to the Pacific Division Finals! Bring on San Diego! Oh, bring on San Diego indeed. The Condors beating the Colorado Eagles. But you know what? It's another bird battle. Condors, Eagles. Now it's the Condors and the Gulls. And the guy who'll be uh, calling the game for the Condors, one of the good guys to deal with in the American Hockey League, it is Ryan Holt. Ryan, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? I'm great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking in tonight as uh, your season has been extended with the Condors getting by the Colorado Eagles in the first round. Tell us a little bit of that, about that one. I mean, the 2-3 the format where the team with the better record has to start on the, on the road, I guess maybe could have been uh, a little nerve-wracking, but they got the split and then finished it off at home. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about this Condors team is they were good at home and on the road. So uh, there was never any, you know, at least internally, uh, worry about starting on the road. Uh, there's a situation where you're going to have to, you know, go on the road and, and win win a hockey game. You're going to have to do that, you know, probably anyways. So, um, you know, it was a good start for the team. They got off to a game one win, got the split in Colorado, uh, came home, and really the best game I think of the series was was game three, kind of the pivotal uh, game in the series in which the Condors really put their uh, foot down on the gas pedal, and and then game four. Um, Colorado had an opportunity. They were up 2-1 uh, going into the third period, and uh, the Condors uh, flipped the switch. And when this uh, when this Condors team gets going, it's a fun team to watch. and It's kind of paralyzing for opposition. So um, a good series. I think, uh, you know, if you looked at it, you know, on paper, you'd say that the Condors are, are probably the better team and probably uh, deserve to win, um, you know, if you looked at it on paper. But credit to the Condors for going out and, and winning the series because, um, like the NHL, in the AHL, only three higher seeds out of the eight ended up winning their first-round series. So credit to the coaches and the and the team for not taking anyone lightly and going out and winning uh, winning a full series in the round one. Ryan, I'm interested on your perspective on the season, and I'm going to specify this by 
talking about the the growth of the team and look they had that incredible winning streak i I, i'm not going to ask you if you saw that coming because you'd be You'd be living in uh, Vegas, placing a lot of bets if you saw that coming. But I, I remember Jay Woodcroft, uh, I think he was actually on with Bob one day, and he said, we, you know, we called this month our, our learning month and this month our growth month, and he kind of had, had everything broken down by that. So I, I don't know if you were you're privy to some of that information as, as, as they went along, but tell us a little bit about the development you saw and have seen from the team uh, with Woodcroft and I assume some of the some of the vets and and better players leading the way yeah I think and, and you talked about naming of the month that's something that started back in in September and October and I think it really helped uh, some of the younger players kind of uh, digest uh, our rookie season or digest their second season and to you know break it up into smaller parts I think so much focus is on um, you know, the season and, you know, the ultimate goal of making the playoffs or the ultimate goal of, of achieving your dream of making the NHL, well, you kind of have to live in the present. And I think breaking up the months really allowed the team to live in the present, to kind of take it, it's a cliche, but kind of take each week, you know, one week at a time and to break everything down. And that's how they've approached the playoffs. When, when Jay and company, um, and I talk to, you know, assistant coaches, when, when they break up the, the travel schedule and break up the um, playoff schedule they break it down by day and, and that's all they're presenting to the team is uh, a daily schedule so you're not really focused on the fact that you know next week there might be a home and home series or next week we might have tough travel you're focused on what's going on right now and that's helped um, certainly the rookies mature in their first year guys like benson guys like marodi logan day on the back end william Lagas's first year uh, professionally in North America, and also the veterans too. It's given them something to, to fall back on as well as a crutch to kind of look at and maybe if things do get off kilter a little bit, you're able to focus back in. So um, I'm really impressed with, with the leadership of this group and Keegan Lowe and Brad Malone, Josh Curry, Joe Gambardella, Patty Russell. I mean, the list goes on uh, from those guys, and, and I think the rookies have really taken a step forward and everybody has bought in. Um, to the coaching staff, and they've seen the success when they all do buy in. And uh, it's been a fun team to be a part of. It's been a fun group to be around. And, um, you know, the, the benefit now is, is everyone else is kind of realizing uh, kind of the special nature of this team right now. Ryan Holt joining us on Inside Sports play-by-play voice for the Bakersfield Condors. I just want to ask you about uh, two or three players who – I think Oilers fans and and specifically people in Northern Alberta would pay a little bit more attention to as prospects and hopefully future Oilers. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto, first of all, what's his uh, current status and and how would you sum up his season? It seems like there's been some challenges along the way. Yeah, when he's been in the lineup, he's been certainly effective for the Condors. Uh, You know, he's day-to-day here in the playoffs and um, you know, unfortunately, he suffered an injury. Uh, I think back in back in March, and, and hasn't been able to to work his way back in the lineup yet. And, and we'll see his status moving forward. But um, you know, just a ton of skill, and I think you know doesn't get as much credit maybe because of his size for um, you know how competitive he is. You know, in what we call you know the dirty areas and in the corners, and um, he battles hard, um, and he was effective when he was in the lineup and it's definitely a loss for this Condors team. It's allowed some other guys to take advantage of that opportunity, which is great and which is what you want to see. Um, but yeah, certainly a, kind of a, a, an up and down season just because of the injuries and, and being in uh, the lineup here as of late uh, for Yamamoto. All right. Tyler Benson, 
Edmonton kid, incredible Bantam career, second-round pick of the Oilers. He fought through injuries uh, mostly in his WHL career. He leads the Condors in scoring with 66 points in 68 games in the regular season. And, uh, you know, 51 assists, so a really good a really good playmaker. And, and I know, I mean, Ryan, you, you and I talk to coaches all the time and players, and, and they always say, well, when you move up from the AHL to the NHL, you got to think. Things happen fast. You almost have to know what play you're going to make a, a step or two ahead of time. Like you, I remember one coach said, you can't win a puck battle in the corner and then turn around with the puck and then assess the play. You already, you already have to know when you're in the puck battle what you're going to do once you get it. Tell me a little bit about Benson's season and maybe specifically as a, as a playmaker why he's been so good. Yeah, I think anybody who needs uh, kind of a visual representation of, of what you just said about Tyler Benson, I'd encourage you to get on our uh, YouTube page or on the Oilers uh, page and watch the highlights uh, from, from Game 4's uh, victory and his setup play to Mitch Callahan. I think a, a younger player, maybe a less uh, cerebral player, uh, would have quickly made a play in the neutral zone and, and hit Callahan and let him go one-on-one against the defender. And, and that would have been fine. Maybe it resulted in a goal. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it resulted in a shot four. Maybe it didn't. But that would have been a fine play to make coming out of your own end. Uh, he picks the puck up at the red line. Instead of just quickly moving the puck, he realizes he has time and space. He allows Callahan to give himself some time and space. And he hits him with, you know, I was calling it a post pattern off the broadcast because that's the best way I could describe it. He allowed Callahan to break past the defender, and he hit the post. I mean, we have the slow mo of the of the goal in the pass uh, broken down on our on our YouTube page there, and it's fun to watch the the sauce that he has for the neutral zone right onto the tape of Callahan, and then Callahan finishes it off uh, to make it one nothing. So. That's the type of player he is. What you don't see in highlights often and what you don't see if you're not watching him regularly is, um, you know, what a 200-foot player he is. He's smart. He's mature. And, you know, there, I think there was a question going into the playoffs. You know, when you see a skilled guy and you kind of get labeled that with Tyler Benson of, well, what can you do in the playoffs when time and space doesn't really present itself as much as it would in the regular season when teams are keying in on you? He was engaged. He was physical. He didn't back down from any sort of altercation that came his way. And that, to me, says that, that he's ready to um, you know, assume a role on this team of um, not only can I score, but I can also play both, both ends of the ice, and that's what I want to do moving forward. All right. Well, Ryan, we'll have to check in again during the postseason. So uh, Friday it starts up, first Friday and Saturday? Friday and Saturday games one and two, and then we hit down to uh, San Diego uh, next Wednesday and Friday for games three and four. So uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with games one and two this weekend. But uh, we had two big crowds last weekend, and we're raring to go again here for the Pacific Division Finals. Well, that's great to hear. Thanks for coming on tonight, and thanks for helping us get uh, the players that we've had on the show throughout the season. I'm, I'm sure we're not done talking to guys, so really appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Take care. That is Ryan Holt checking in, play-by-play voice of the Bakersfield Condors. So some encouraging stuff there for Tyler Benson, absolutely. one nothing. Columbus leading Boston, eight minutes left in the second period. We will keep you updated, and we'll bring in another play-by-play voice. Oh, you've heard this guy. He's always a blast to have on the show. My good buddy Jack Michaels when we get out of the 6.30 News. This is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chat. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
All right, now 2 nothing. Columbus leading Boston. Matt Duchesne scoring while we were in the news. His fifth of the postseason. So 2 nothing. Blue Jackets leading the Bruins. Five and a half minutes left in the second period. Later on tonight, it is the Sharks up against the Avalanche. Mike Smith loves to handle the puck. Shoots it over to Hannafin. Turned it over. Nugent Hopkins down the scene. Gives it up. One-timer. And Drysaddle stopped. And Edmondson feeding Leon at every opportunity. Drysaddle again. Shoots and scores! There's 50 from the right circle! And Leon Drysaddle is being mobbed as he becomes the first Oiler since 1988 to score half a hundred. The call. From Jack Michaels in the Oilers' regular season finale almost a month ago as Leon hit 50. That game probably better remembered now from the uh, Connor McDavid injury. He'll be okay, and I'm sure Jack is okay as he checks in. Jack, great to have you on the show again, buddy. How's life? Reed, everything's good. I'm uh, I'm actually talking to you from Palm Springs. I uh, decided to take a pass on the week's forecast and get out of Dodge for a few days. Well, I well now I feel bad. I did I didn't even know you were away. So thanks for making time for me, even as you bask in what I hope is some very warm wet weather in Palm Springs. Well, you'd love it, Reed, because uh, if you fall one way or the other, literally just drop one way or the other, you hit a golf course. So well, that's you'd good. be in hog heaven down here. Well, that's good. I got in a round of golf last week. I, I'm not optimistic about fitting one in this week. <laughs> Well, and you know me, I'm I'm a fair weather golfer. So uh, my son Tyler got out there uh, the Monday, right before the weather turned, and uh, we've shuttered it since. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be back on the course soon, Reed. I'll I'll be looking forward to you giving me some more lessons uh, in the school of hard knocks. I've yet to win a bet off you, and we've played quite a few times. Well, we'll we'll see. I got you at Legends one night, at one day. That's it, and that was. <laughs> That was probably the low point of your career, I would think. Uh, well, I, I, I don't. We played there. <laughs> yeah, me, you, and Tom, and both you and Tom had had rough outing at Legends or at Quarry. I think we played at the Quarry. Well, it doesn't mm. matter. But I'm not. I, don't, I was going to say I don't remember ever beating <laughs> you at the Quarry. I, I've only beaten you once in my recollection. It was I thought it was at Legends, but well, regardless, it was, that that would go back three years, Reed, and I know your memory is fading quickly that might go back three or four years that might have been the first time we ever played together probably probably was now you're uh you've you've told tales of your coaching career are you going to be coaching any of your children's teams this spring and summer or have you retired i'm I'm an assistant on a baseball squad that's still very much in the developmental stages of course it's hard to get any sort of feel for what time kind of squad you've got when you're playing in plus two weather so <laughs> i've had to scratch a couple of exhibitions already i've reset a couple uh for this weekend and once again the forecast does not appear to be cooperating uh, both t- both dates that i've set for exhibition games that little snowflake has popped up on my screen so that's not a good sign all right <laughs> now have you do you think age has mellowed you as a coach well, I'll put it to you this way. I just became aware of a story. A fellow, you know, hockey parent 
um, actually sent to my wife. I mean, I, I thought I found this a little confounding. Uh, I, I understand that like they, they, you know, they were, their son was on my son's hockey team and they, then they found out they were going to be on the baseball team together. And then this parent found out that, that I was going to be assistant coach. And, uh, you know, and my wife said, yeah, you know, he's coached baseball before. And, and her response was classic, and you'll love it. And you can use it against me on future shows. But she said, wow, I thought he was a little bit much, but someone else told me he was a nice guy, so we'll go with it. <laughs> she, she, she said that right to her face. I thought that was awesome. Uh, you got to respect the honesty, right? Well, I think a little bit much might apply to you, and I've said that to your face oh, yeah. several times. I, so. Well, I've said on this show before, a little of me goes a long way, Reed. Yeah, that's... That's a, that's a great way to put it. Jack Michaels joining us as we found out during this interview from uh, from Palm Springs, California, as uh, as we will discuss a little bit of hockey as well. Now, I got to ask you this because, look, you you are excellent at a profession um, that 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 I think is uh, is is a fascinating one, and I, I admire people who do play by play because it's it's a lot harder than it sounds, a lot harder than it looks. I played the Leon. 50th goal call did you have something pre-written that you wanted to go to did we hear anything there that you had okay i might use this if if it if it comes up properly or how did you approach you know what no i never do that okay I, I never, never at all eh? never uh i just find and i've i've toyed with it a few times including uh in the minors when when alaska was on the precipice of winning a championship but uh, I've decided against it. I just think that ultimately it, it comes across as a little bit scripted. I mean, obviously, look, you know, Jim Nance is at the absolute pinnacle of our profession, and he deserves all the accolades that come his way. I just, that's not my style to have a, you know, a line, you know, pre-crafted or whatever to, to drop in. I mean, and again, it's nothing... You know, it's nothing against that style. I, I a lot of people do it. I just, I personally think from me, and and part of it, Reed, I think you'd agree, is is my personality. I, whatever you want to say about me, I think most people would never say, "Oh, there's a guy who's fake." Like there's a guy who's. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of people would say, "Boy, that guy's a bit much." I mean, uh, you know, and some would say way too much. But I don't think a ton, like one criticism I've almost never heard in my 40-plus years on Earth is that guy's fake. And, and I'm not saying a scripted thing is fake. It just, I think it sounds more fake coming from me because it's just not me. Like, it's, it, you could almost say it's almost an inability to act on my part. And I just feel like I call the game better, including... At its, you know, at its uh, ultimate moments, I call the game better when it's coming from, you know, whatever facet of my brain happens to be operating that day. I, I've never found when I've tried to deliver lines or stuff like that, I've never found that it's worked that well, at least for me. Well, I, I love how you answer that and explain it because the the thought that you put into everything, I mean, that's what I, what I know about you. You're not, you don't go in there willy nilly. I mean, even though you're. Like here's the thing, in that aspect of the job, you're prepared 
as to why you don't want to prepare a line. Like, you've put thought into it. That's that's what I like. You mentioned Jim Nance. Now, you have told, and the, the ostrich story clip, Jack, I'm not going to ask you to retell the ostrich story, but I play that every <laughs> summer at some point on Inside Sports. Slow day. I'm just like, we're going to have tells the story of Jack doing play-by-play for an ostrich race. We've talked a lot about your hockey. You mentioned Jim Nance and golf. Have you ever done golf, and even just from you as a fan, as a play-by-play guy, how much of a departure would would calling golf be from some of the other sports where the action can be a lot more furious? I think I'd have to work at at golf a little bit. Um, But I think, you know, some of the conversational aspects that, quite frankly, Bob and I get criticized for. I mean, you know, when Bob and I get criticized, some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, at at some point during the game, especially if it's a lopsided game, we may meander a bit to, you know, other topics, uh, topics only semi-related to the game. So I think actually calling golf and baseball and those sports that are a little bit more devoid of action, certainly as compared to hockey, which I think is the game's greatest game to call by far, uh, you know, I think that those would ultimately be strengths. I think Bob would be good in those sports too, even though I'm pretty sure he cannot stand golf, and <laughs> yes. you know, I'm not. I'm not sure baseball. I mean, my experience with Bob at a baseball game, and this is a true story. This is one that bears retelling. Is uh, Bob was Bob once was invited to do a Blue Jays game uh, with me, and for some reason he accepted, which stunned me because you know that's the kind of invitation you extend to Bob, knowing that there's a 99.8 percent chance that he isn't going. Well, on this particular occasion, for whatever reason, he accepted. So, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, you, you work your way through downtown Toronto, obviously, to get to a Blue Jays game. You know, we made it there. So it was a bit of a process. So he, he you know, expended the effort, went with the process. Uh, he had a bag of Swedish fish in the first inning, and in the top of the second, he rolled. That was it. He lasted one inning. I caught a foul ball that night. You've told me that before, and I I love that. I mean, you might think, okay, it it was the bottom of the sixth. It was a 10-2 game. He decided to go. No, he lasted lasted seven outs. There was one out in the top of the second, and he rolled. He lasted seven outs. (laughs) Hopefully they didn't pay for the tickets. You know what? I think our colleague Gene Principe hooked us up on that particular occasion. But that, that, that that is Bob in a nutshell. But... What Bob doesn't realize is he'd be he'd be excellent in baseball or golf because you know he does he can tell you anything about anything. Now he would have to he would have to incorporate some golf and baseball stories, which he might have to work on. But I think ultimately, you know, I think that'd be a stretch of ours. I think Bob and I. One of the things that I like about our hockey broadcast, as compared to maybe other broadcast teams, is I think you know we're still able to make it a bit of a barroom conversation and ultimately. You know, when I listen to a game or watch a game, I, you know, I, I, I like the, to envision me bellying up and, and sitting next to two people that know what they're talking about. And even though Bob and I don't know what we're talking about, I think we do a pretty good job of faking it, which then completely undermines my original point of this whole thesis was that I'm not fake. <laughs> well, we've come full circle or maybe hit rock bottom. I'm not sure. One of the two. Jack, Jack Michaels joining us at Inside Sports. Play-by-play voice for Edmonton Oilers. Okay, well, I've left a little bit. Well, Boston scored, by the way. I've just, you had me so enthralled I wasn't even watching the game that's on 10 feet from my face. Oh, Jake DeBrus scored. So uh, 2-1 Blue Jackets leading the Bruins. 
All right. Um, oh, so, somebody just texted in, Jack is too loud for golf, LOL. <laughs> yeah, I, I think most people, but, you know, I could feather it down. I could, you know, come in with a, you know, there's a nine iron. Mm, he likes that one. I don't know. Sounds a little that, creepy. A little creepy, that, maybe. That, that's the first time I've ever called golf. Right there. So, you know, I, I've got some work to do. I'll, 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 I'll lay some clips down and get you a tape as soon as possible. Yeah, please, please do. Please voice over some golf, and we'll play it on Inside Sports one night and critique it. Okay, so just give me some. Uh, give, maybe give me uh, what has stuck out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Speaking of not being prepared, I'm gonna ask you the lazy question. Give me a, a chief storyline from round two so far. Well, round two for me, I, I think it's you know it's again the subtle changes that Craig Berube is able to make whenever St. Louis and they haven't faced a great deal of adversity in the postseason, but the subtle tweaks to his lineup and and again the job that he's done uh, with a hockey club that was dead last in the league as of January third. I mean. For me, the St. Louis Blues are looking like the Western Conference favorite. And having said that, I think that series with Dallas is far from over. I, I think the, I think the margin for error—that's well, what impresses me, Reed, about St. Louis—is they are perhaps more than any other National Hockey League team, you know, willing to play on that fine line and thrive on it. I mean, they are a hockey club that does not mind being in a 2-2 game with a minute to go on the road and the building is going nuts. And that's twice now in these playoffs in two of the toughest places to get a victory on the road, Winnipeg and Dallas, where they've extracted the stuff of victory inside the game's last minute and a half. Yeah, and you know what? Bernie Federico is coming up after the 7 o'clock news, and I'm going to ask him about that, how well they have done in intense situations. And they never look... I mean, look, I know they're pro athletes and they've been playing hockey since they were kids but sometimes you can still see that sag or okay they got rocked by that goal a little bit never happens with st louis they're just so even keel well the biggest thing that he's done and i know my broadcast partner would agree with this one is he switched it up and he hasn't leaned on you know bowmeister and petrangelo he's gone bowmeister and pareko and basically turned petrangelo loose so that Petrangelo is almost like James Harden. He's not worrying so much about the defensive side of the puck anymore. And that's actually benefited St. Louis. And Colton Pareko has sacrificed something, and Bo Meester's played better. I mean, I think he's all the way back now. I mean, it takes you, especially at his age, with all the miles you know, on his tires, you know, it, it takes you a year and a half to recover from what he went through. And, and he's playing like, you know, the guy who made the 2014 Olympic team, and he's got Pareko, which allows Petrangelo to freelance a bit more. And I think Alex Petrangelo, you know, coming off a bit of a shaky year, but so much was kind of asked of him in terms of, you know, not only being an offensive threat, but having to be, you know, in the top pair and playing against the opposition's best players. He doesn't need to do that anymore. And I think it really shows the kind of intuitiveness that I – I don't think Craig Berube gets enough credit for the subtle tweaks he makes. He knows the game. He's no longer, you know, the guy that banged out 250 penalty minutes every year of his career. He's still a tough guy, but he understands the subtle intricacies of the game, much like our colleague Louis DeBrus, and he's made some changes that I think have really benefited St. Louis. 
Jack, you're incredibly generous with your time, especially while on holidays. I will leave you with uh, one final text from Ron. Please tell Jack I loved his call two years ago in the Kings game where the Oilers qualified for the playoffs. His voice had so much excitement and enthusiasm, and I can still feel the chills when I recall the last minute 30 of play. That is from Ron. That, that is well said. You see how many people around this city I have on the payroll, Reed? Don't think for a moment I'm not a big deal. <laughs> You've done a great job. Jack, I look forward to when you get back. We'll have to have you in studio. We always have fun. Cheers, pal. Thanks. That is Jack Michaels, the play-by-play voice for Edmonton Oilers, joining us here on uh, 630 Chat. i got some interesting uh, text about uh, play-by-play. In, in general. I will get to those when we get back. And I did mention Bernie Federko, former St. Louis Blue, now a broadcaster for the team. He's coming up after the 7 o'clock news. And he was speaking of tense games. He was part of one of the greatest tense games comebacks uh, of all time in the playoffs. His St. Louis Blues in 1986 were down 5-2 to Calgary in the third period, one in overtime. So he'll tell that story. That's all coming up. <laughs> This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You may have heard Stu McDonald from the Edmonton Oilers. On Oilers now earlier today with Bob Stoffer. Uh, season ticket prices, uh, nothing. No, well, the the ticket price isn't nothing. That'd be that'd be quite an announcement for a team. We're charging nothing. No, that's a price freeze. No uh, no price increase for season seat holders. Fifteen uh, percent off food and beverage for season seat holders at Oilers games. Uh, other announcements pertaining to that as uh, as well. You can get that full interview by going to the Oilers Now page on six thirty ched dot com. Blue Jays in action uh, later tonight. By the way, they're going to be taking on the L A Angels. Some text to six thirty six thirty. Robert says what made broadcasters like Vince Scully and Wait Hoyt so great was their ability to tell stories, especially during rain breaks or slow periods in a game. That would make Bob Stoffer great at broadcasting baseball. Man, that is uh, a really nice text and awesome to have a Wait Hoyt reference on the show, who I, I got to be honest with you, I do not know much about him. He was born September 9th, 1899, went into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1969. So, Robert, thank you. You have helped me learn something today. Dale says, Jack's golf voice sounds like Marge Simpson's brother. <laughs> Who was... Did Marge have a brother on that show? I have no idea. Probably. I don't remember. I haven't watched... Uh, well, I'm a big Simpsons fan. But probably in some episode they worked in a brother. That's a good one. Who is it... Uh, Who was it that did the voice of uh, Homer's brother? Was that DeVito? I think so. I think it was DeVito. Yeah. Man, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Speaking of shows that have been on a long time, what did it start in 88? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, don't forget it was just a feature on a Tracy Ullman show when it first started. That's well, it. you remember that, eh, Kellen? <laughs> <laughs> well, to YouTube, I don't, or, or, yeah, I don't have to remember anything anymore because everything's on YouTube that's true. now. So. Everything is on YouTube. Well, not quite everything. Probably Wait Hoyt's first career victory. It's not on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, though. John says, Reed, I think it's stupid how golf play-by-play guys will whisper even if their broadcast location is nowhere near the shot being taken. I know it's tradition, but it's a bit ridiculous. That is from uh, John texting 630-630. Looks like he's really taking a long look at this one. 
had a four iron, but I think he switched to a five now. Though there are on course commentators who will be pretty close to the golfers, but yes, the yeah. ones in the there's there's guys in booths or back stationed off the, you know, they're in a broadcast location somewhere calling it off a monitor so they would not be close to the golfers my favorite is when somebody really shanks a shot and just you know that's totally not what they wanted and the a lot of the, the commentators will be like oh he didn't get what he wanted with that stroke <laughs> it's, it's like well, duh of course <laughs> well you gotta say something sometimes you just gotta say the obvious I guess oh that's a horrible <laughs> shot well yeah, they're, not all, it is. they're not all British not all golf commentators are British. <laughs> uh, speaks, uh, yes, the texter says that it was Danny DeVito. We have one Simpsons aficionado out there. Woo-hoo. I used to, I probably had episodes memorized in the early 90s when I was in university. I would watch them so many times. Uh, this texture says, even now when I watch an Oilers game on TV, I sync the TV to the radio so I can still hear the best Jack and Bob. Thanks. I, they'll, they'll appreciate that for sure. Speaking of, speaking of golf and the Simpsons, we're going to tie it all together here, Kellen. Okay. Do you remember when Bart played mini golf and he went in that tournament right. and he got to the yeah. final match against another kid and they had the, the British commentator. Mm-hmm. I just said all they aren't all British, but apparently they are. And I still remember that one line where the commentator said something like, and here comes Mr. Simpson. He's five on the happy side of par. I love that, <laughs> the happy side of par. I try to work that in every once in a while. Okay. Uh, you can text whatever you want, play-by-play, observations, favorites, annoyances, uh, Simpsons, golf, NHL playoffs, Oilers, whatever you want. Bernie Federko's up next to talk about the Blues' incredible run. We're back after the news on Inside Sports. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.